signals for the Baltimore Colts. Unitas gives to Amici. The Colts are the world champions. Amici scores. That's amazing. Sensational. Dramatic. Heart-rending. Exciting. Thrilling finish in the history of college football. California has won the big game. Go crazy, folks. This is Phil Steele. This is Mike Burnham. This is Wes Durham. This is Mike Ashley. Woo, mercy, this is Handsome Jimmy Vane, the Boogie Woogie Man. Hey, guys, I'm ESPN's Marty Smith, and you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to rock? Okay, let's do it. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network, 101.7, 103.5, and 1460. Simulcasting on 710 WFNR. Streaming online at WRADradio.com and the TuneIn app for your phone. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Now your host, Rick Watson. Rick Watson. You me cry when you say goodbye. Is that a shame? My tears feel like rain. Is that a shame? You're the one to blame. You broke my heart when you said. We'll part in a shame. My tears feel like rain. It's the Wednesday edition of the program. Hope you're doing okay, wherever you might be. Dallas up on the Louise Baker team hotline, 639-4900. 540 in front of that if you're out of the immediate dialing area. Rick at New River Radio or the text line 744-2990. Neon Brown joins us coming up about 25 minutes or so. Bill Roth and the Roth Report. And then uh, Rick Cormie, the head basketball coach, uh, head basketball coach at Radford High School, scheduled at 8:35. Oh well, goodbye. Made a little fats domino. Come on, good stuff. So how's your Wednesday? A little colder this morning, huh? A little splash of temperatures. 29 degrees right now outside the studio. It's going to get to a high of about 50 today. I'm scheduled to uh, broadcast a uh, lacrosse game later on today at 1. I think it's at 1. It's going to be very chilly. Very, very chilly. But the sun will be out, so it won't be too bad. It won't be too bad. So I want to thank uh, Wayne in uh, Ohio. Got a care package today. Um, 
One being more of the Jack Link's bacon jerky, which I can't find anywhere around here. Like, I have no idea where it is. None. I've looked in every convenience store. I've looked at the Love's Truck Stops. I know you can order it, but I'd like to be able to walk into one of these stores and say, hey, where's the Jack Link's bacon jerky? You can eat the entire, let's see, how big is this bag? Let me see here. It's the 2.5-ounce bag, and the whole bag is only uh, 310 calories, no carbs. Good if you're on a diet. Nice little pick-me-up. Get that bacon, you know, that whole bacon appetite out of the way, but you don't have to sit there and eat, you know, regular bacon to where it's a little worse for you. Although, don't worry, I'm not going to condemn anybody who's having bacon. That's never a bad choice. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not going to sit there and judge you on that because Lord knows it's probably the best way to start your day. Speaking of which, by the way, I have nothing against anybody who drinks coffee, right? That's your thing. That's how you get going in the morning. I get it. I love the way it smells. If I'm with somebody and they want coffee in the morning, I'll be glad to get it going in the pot. You know, I like the, I like the aroma of it. I don't care whether you, you take it black or whether you load it up with cream and sugar or other flavors. I don't care if you get one of the many 9,000 flavors they have at Starbucks or any other place. That's great. Enjoy your coffee. Godspeed. But... It really annoys me when people just assume that you also like coffee. Right? I was out the other day and with somebody and they were like, hey, what, how do you like your coffee? I'll get you one. Um, I, don't, I don't drink coffee. Oh, oh, you don't drink coffee. No, my caffeine comes in the form of Diet Pepsi. All right, that's what I drink. That's what I drink, and that's what I enjoy. Let's go to the uh, Louise Baker team hotline. Hey, good morning. Who's this? Hey, man. Hey. John. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm okay, man. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. I'm off on a little trip today for a baseball thing. Oh, okay. From Bluefield State, but... Uh, it's kind of ironic he's talking about coffee because I was going to call you the other month and ask you, say, what kind of coffee do you like? <laughs> <laughs> See? See? Why, yeah. do, why do people assume that everybody likes coffee, John? I don't get it. Yeah, well, I just, basically, I don't care for it. I just drink it to get me going in the morning. But my dad drank it for, oh, Lord, I don't have any decades. And when he retired, he quit cold turkey. Well, people tell me that they, they had to learn to like it. Like some people say it's such a – it's not necessarily something that's easy to get to start drinking, yeah. right? A lot of people are like, well, it's kind of an acquired thing. You know, I'm like, yeah, well, yes. if it takes you that long to get to like it, then why are you forcing it? <laughs> it's kind of like smoking. You know, you cough your head off for the first two weeks <laughs> and then it's all over with. 
But the best coffee I've found is, is Tim Hortons. It's uh, come out of Canada, and it's up in the northern states. There is one in Blue, in Princeton, West Virginia. But they had, the, as far as I'm concerned, they had the best coffee there around. Okay. Well, I'll have to take but your anyway, word for it. <laughs> congratulations to the girls' basketball team and all the stuff that they got. Uh, but Kitley and Amor are not the only two players on that team. There's a lot of other girls on there that really contribute a, a great deal. And congratulations to them. And I was going to ask you, where do they find these referees at? Officiating <laughs> is uh, such a bad problem throughout college basketball. Last night, I mean, during the, we're going to get into it later. During the Tech Notre Dame game, they were awful. They're awful everywhere. It's really the it's the one thing really in all sports that needs to be fixed. But they are so protected, nobody wants to admit what a problem it is. So that's that's well, that's a real issue. I sat there and watched it. And I'm like, my God, I'm watching an NBA ripped game. Yeah. You know? I mean, they don't call nothing NBA unless you draw blood. And that's almost. And that foul that was on um, the, the point guard, uh, I can't even think of his name now, not Couture, but the other one, at the end of the game. Yeah. They. Uh, they, they uh, I listened to the radio show, and, and he said, that really wasn't a foul. I'm like, man, you put an elbow right in the guy's mouth. <laughs> you know, how is that not a foul? Yeah, it was bad. It's bad all the way around. I mean, it's bad. I watch these other tournaments and the calls that are made. I mean, it's an epidemic. It is. But, again, nothing will ever be done. They don't take it seriously enough. The NFL doesn't. Yeah. College basketball commissioners don't. I mean, they just let it ride. They just let it ride. So, yeah. You know. Well, maybe our guys can – maybe they'll jump start them last night and they can get on a, a roll. I mean, I know if they don't win the ACC again, they're not going to go to the tournament. But, yep. you know, yep. it's it's – there's a problem there, I believe, and I don't know exactly what the problem is, but it's not the chemistry that they had last year, I can tell you that much. No, it's different. They were lucky last night. They got through a bad Notre Dame team. Now they got to play a pretty good NC State team. So, no, it's not the same. It's definitely not the same because yeah. it's, it's not going to be the same when you lose your best player. Keve Aluma was by far the team's yeah. best player. So, Yeah. Well, you reckon they play into their, their, their competition's level? No, I just think they're inconsistent. I think they, they maybe maybe they, they play better at home. I think they rise to the energy at home. They have some big wins at home, but I just think it's such an inconsistent thing. I think the biggest thing is they don't match what they get at home emotionally for what they do on the road. I don't think they kind of went out with the right preparation throughout the year. Prove with their really bad road record this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, you have a great day. Thanks, John. And week. And I'll get back with you whenever I'm going out early again. All right, man. Sounds good. Be safe. All right, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I got a good text message. It says, the same people who drink coffee in the morning are the same one who uh, enjoy veggie platters. There you go. Look, it's fine if you do. I mean, I'm not judging you because you do, but when I tell people I don't, I get these looks like, really? You don't drink coffee? No. No, I don't. I get my caffeine. Look, I'm not saying it's healthy. I'm... My addiction is, is now if you're drinking coffee every morning, you have to have two or three cups. You're addicted to caffeine just like I am. 
but I've gotten so immune to it because of my uh, my diet uh, my diet Pepsi. That's what I have. People say, "How do you? What do you drink? You get up at four every morning." Yeah, I get up at four every morning, but I don't need the drink. I just I think I just like it, and I've become obsessed with it because I have to have it. But yeah, I get up at four, and I get my if I need a caffeine push. Although I drink so many of them, I would probably have to have 50 of them during the day for the caffeine to actually hit at this point because of my caffeine immunity system. (laughs) But a lot of my friends who drink coffee tell me, yeah, I didn't like it at first. It took me several cups, and now, you know, is it bitter? Well, yeah, that's why you flavor it. Okay, all right, all right. But good for you, if you'd like it. I do like the smell of it. But I didn't have, and here's the thing, I have tried it. Next time we ever have her on, Lisa Witherspoon, the former point guard for the Virginia Tech women's basketball team, I was over there for a few years calling their games, and she and I got pretty close. And she loved. I mean, she had to have coffee. You ever at an airport? I mean, we were traveling. She had her coffee. She had to have her coffee. And I was telling her how, yeah, I don't, I just don't like. She goes, well, you would like this. We were at the airport. In Charlotte or Atlanta, I don't remember which. And she goes, hey, I bought you this. This is a chocolate something, frappuccino, cappuccino. I don't know what the hell it was. And it was one of those colder coffees. And it had like all these things. She goes, you'll like this. (laughs) Tony says, coffee, veggie tray, and a friend's marathon. Rick Watson's dream day. Yep, there you go. <laughs> so I said, oh, I appreciate that spoon. I said, he goes, you'll like it. Just just take it, just let it cool off for a second, stir it around a little bit, and give it a drink. So I gave it a drink. And I immediately nearly almost, it almost came back up. Because it's one thing when it's going down, it's fine, but then you get that coffee taste. And it hit me, and I said, sorry, Spooner, I can't, I can't do this. I, I can't. I'm sorry. I appreciate it. And she was just so shocked that I didn't like her little chocolate concoction. But no, I don't drink it. You know, I never get a reaction. By the, when I say I don't drink it, I never get like, oh, okay. I always get, like, questioned. Wow. You don't like coffee. Something's wrong with you. Well, you know what? I'm going to start reversing that. If somebody tells me they don't like bacon, if you go around and you tell me that you don't eat bacon, you've got a much bigger problem than I do for not drinking coffee. <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know how you handle that. I mean, that's a relationship breaker. Going out with a girl. Hey, good morning. Hey, I made us some bacon and eggs. Oh, I don't eat bacon. Oh. Uh, i tell you what. Um, why don't you go ahead and just pack up your things and we'll see you. I'll call you sometime. All right. Any event, that's my coffee rant this morning. 21 minutes past the hour. Tech does move on. They had to win five. They got the first one down. Now they have NC State tonight. It's late. Oh, my goodness. About 9.30. Guess I'll be waking up tomorrow morning to see if they won. Keon Brown, Bill Roth, Rick Cormody today on the program. Here on this Hump Day Wednesday. We'll be back. I was listening to the broadcast and I was wondering what exactly is it? 
You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk. More BDSD next on WRAD. The long... Exxon's open 744-2990. So now peeps are telling me that I would like coffee if they made me a cup of the coffee they make. Well, I just just told you the story. Lisa's already said that Lisa Witherspoon already said she could make me like coffee. Didn't work. Ted says, listening over in uh, Radford, says, I hear you. Mine isn't soda. Mine's an energy drink. I can relate to that more, Ted. You have to have your energy drink. Although I've tried those. Really, those don't... I don't like the taste of those. They're too sweet. I guess you can find them so they're not. You remember Logan, the former producer, used to have one every morning. Donnie Lynn, former Radford <laughs> University assistant now at UNC Greensboro with Mike Jones, got Logan addicted to... Um, I don't know even what kind it was. He had all sorts of different energy drinks that he would bring in. And Logan would, after that, after he started drinking them from Coach Lynn, he would have one every morning. <laughs> Sometimes two. But I get it. I get it. Y'all need something, whether it's your coffee, whether it's your energy drink, or for me, my diet soda. I get it, man. I get it. Orbert says, I see y'all in the Starbucks line texting about high egg prices. Well, no, that doesn't happen, Wilbur. Keon Brown joins us coming up. We're going to talk some hoops. We'll talk about Tech's win last night, uh, 67-64. They didn't shoot it great from three, seven of 19, but Grant Basile had 20 points to lead the way. Double-double for Justin Mutz, 18 and 13. And they beat Notre Dame and in Mike Bray's coaching career since he's retiring. Bray couldn't wait to get off the floor. The camera followed Bray. And I like Mike Bray. We had a great time uh, opening up the season up there in South Bend until the officials screwed us at the end. But meeting with him and talking to him and Digger Phelps was a lot of fun. Those guys, man, I'll tell you what, some of the things that they were saying, whoo, anyway. He went over and he shook Mike Young's hand and the game ended. Leshevsky missed that shot at the end that would have tied it and he just couldn't wait to get off the court. I'm done. Time now to retire to my Irish pub. I think Mike Bray's going to show up on television somewhere. I think he'll do a really good job. He's got that kind of personality. That would not surprise me one bit. Good man. He's been a good basketball coach. He kind of lost his program over the last few years, to be honest, which is what he told me up in South Bend. And uh, this year he had the most experience of any team returning in the country. And they finished 11-21 and and only three ACC wins. He did not 
get the most out of that team. As a matter of fact, he had told me if they wouldn't have gotten an NCAA bid last year, he probably would have retired at the end of last year. But he wanted to see this group through because of his loyalty to them, which is a, a really classy move, but just didn't work out for him. Just didn't work out for him. And Tech moves on to take on the Wolfpack. Against another embattled coach going into the season that maybe has re-secured his spot. North Carolina State late, late, late tonight. Keon Brown joins us, our basketball correspondent. Just getting started, we've got Bill Roth and the Roth Report, Rick Cormody, Radford High School basketball coach in the Power Hour. David Teal, Dwight Vick tomorrow. We'll be back. for the top of the hour. A little Grandmaster Flash this morning. Some of the music that Mike Jones and I used to listen to, we'd pick out during like shoot-arounds. Makes me wonder how I keep <laughs> Former Radford coach. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going on. I mean, come on. Good stuff all the way around. Speaking of good stuff all the way around, joining us now on the program, he's our basketball correspondent. Oh, he's getting closer and closer to being a father again. His name is Keon Brown. Keon, what is up, my brother? Good morning. Rick Watson, what's going on, brother? I'm doing okay, man. How are you? I am doing okay, recovering from that loss Ugh. against Campbell Ugh. on Saturday. But the show must go on. More tournaments to go. We have, we now have five TVs downstairs, <laughs> so you know it's that time of year. I know, I know. <laughs> you had a great picture of uh, your LeBron room, and you had all your TVs on watching all the games, and there were some uh, exciting ones last night. I want to get into uh, the Tech yep. game a little bit. Um, yes. it, it wasn't a great game by any measure by Tech, but they had enough to win. That's what you have to do in March, find a way. They have to win five to make the dance, and they won the first one. What did you think of the game last night as they edged out Notre Dame by three? Yep, surviving advance, right? Yep. Doesn't matter how yep. you win at this point of the year. Every game is uh, NBA Game Seven. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah, yeah. They managed to survive, and though you know Notre Dame had no JJ Stalin, and with the ACC tournament, there are so many storylines. You talk about Mike Bray, and I don't think he's retiring. I think he just is done at Notre Dame. Could be. And you talk Could about. We saw Roy Williams recently retire in the last few years. Coach K, Jay Wright. Is Jim Beheim going to finally retire? We're going to see that. That's the story I'm going to keep my eyes out on. Uh, obviously, can Virginia Tech defend their ACC tournament title? Uh, Coach Shire at Duke just finished with the perfect home record in his first se- season. And can North Carolina, the North Carolina Tar Heels, what are they going to do? Because in my opinion, they have to win this tournament if they're going to go dancing. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But Virginia Tech played exactly and did exactly what they needed to do to win. Uh, Rodney Rice had that big three for Tech. Uh, Grant Basile is a beast. He is. And Justin Mustad is a really good front court. Um, now you have to do it again versus NC State. And we know about NC State. 
how good that program is now. Uh, what Coach Keith has done for those guys is you know, nothing short of spectacular. And now you got to try to contain to Cravian Smith and Jaquel Joyner. And then it's a big guy down there that you know all too well from Winthrop, B.J. Burns. Mm-hmm. Throws his weight around and knows how to use angles and use his footwork. And that's what's next for Tech. So it's tonight at 930, I believe. And it, like we said, it does not matter how you win at this point. You just have to find a way to get it done. Have a quick memory. You can win the game 20 to 19. Nobody cares. Just win. Just win. That's all you got to do. Well, and uh, that's what they did, and we'll see what happens tonight. I mean, um, this league is kind of up for grabs. I mean, I'm kind of thinking Duke. They might be my favorite now. We get to see if Carolina's ready to start a run tonight as well. The the late portion's much more intriguing, I think, to me anyway, than the early portion. we got Wake, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Pitt. Okay, but then the night games are going to be more interesting. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out, and – also, our old friend Pat Kelsey, College of Charleston. You got a new extension. They won their thirty-first game last night. Wilmington gave them a heck of a battle. But uh, boy, I tell you what—that's a team you have to look at when that bracket comes out. And maybe pencil them in for a win or two, huh? College of Charleston. I think so. The CAA was very competitive this year. I remember earlier in the season, and you took a look at um, College of Charleston. Obviously, they were just started off on fire, and then they kind of. Got back to the mean a little bit in the CAA. Uh, Hofstra was pretty good in that league. Uh, obviously, Charleston Towson was good as well. Hofstra got upset on Saturday, but they're a team that if I am a program and I'm the bracket gets announced on Sunday, I watch those matchups because there's two teams that have a lot of talent and obviously what you need in college basketball coaching that I think can upset some guys, if given the right matchup, and one of those teams being, uh, you know, College of Charleston, and another team being a team from the UNC, and from the Big South, the UNC Asheville Bulldogs. I'm going to be looking at those guys as well, who they match up with, because you have a lot of talent on that team. And Coach Morrell has been around a lot of winning cultures, and he knows what it takes to win in the tournament, win a game or two in the tournament, obviously. He was a part of that staff at VCU. He is under the shock of smart coaching tree. So this time of year is something that he is familiar with. I think this is his 10th NCAA, NCAA tournament appearance, but first as a head coach. So College of Charleston, UNC Asheville, I can't wait for Selection Sunday to see who those guys are messed up with. You see, I agree, KB. I think when you look at Asheville, and I know I've got a big South bias, you know, because that's the league we yeah. follow, but – when you have a guy like Pember, who was at Tennessee before, and then you have Tajon Jones, who took over the championship game, I mean, games like yeah. teams like that, you get a couple players like that. Now, these these higher seeds are going to be playing. Now, let's be honest, those kids aren't going to respect Asheville, right? They're going to look at that team thinking, okay, well, here's a, here's likely a 15 seed. I think they're going to slide under and not be sent to uh, Dayton. And I don't think they're going to get a 16. I think they're going to be like a 15 seed from what I'm hearing. I think so, too. Um that number two seed is not going to know a lot about them. They might find themselves a couple media timeouts in going, okay, this uh, – what was it in the old uh, – in the Rocky movie, right? Remember what they said? This guy doesn't know it's a show. He thinks it's a fight. Well, I think that team's yeah. going to be like, okay, this team thinks they can win. And I think Asheville has a chance to push whoever they play as a number 15 seed if they make it that far. They do have a chance to win. And Drew Pember, I said it on uh, last – not this past Saturday, but the previous in Longwood's 
uh, senior night, the last game of the season, Drew Pember, to me, pound for pound, is obviously one of the best players in the nation. You think of Armando Peacock at UNC Asheville, you think Oscar Sheway at Kentucky, Drew Timmy at Gonzaga. Now on the national stage, those guys are obviously ahead of him on a national stage. But as far as the skill set and what he brings to the table, I believe that Drew Pember's skill set is better fit for the NBA game than any of those guys that I mentioned because those guys are more so a traditional big man. What we saw uh, in the early to mid-2000s and back. But now with the stretch four, that is Drew Pember's game. He is a matchup nightmare. If you're a guy who blocks shots, he's going to bring you out, force you to have to guard him on the perimeter. He's 6'11". He comes off of pin downs, come off of curl screens. He is a guy that protects the paint and doesn't get in foul trouble because he has such good timing for blocking shots. I mean, you think of Tajon Jones, the guy that you talked about, took over that game on Saturday. He is not only one of the best shooters in the Big South, he's one of the best shooters in the country. He and Talik Chavez of Charleston Southern were unbelievable shooting the three in the league and in the country this year. And for him to take the game over the way that he did, obviously using his uh, sixth year, that super senior year, he took full advantage of it because he was part of that program that lost 27 games, and now he's cutting down the nets and has just won his 27 games with the chance to upset someone in next week's NCAA tournament. And then you got complimentary pieces like Fletcher Abbey. He's a guy that you have to account for as well. He doesn't do anything necessarily great, but he does everything well enough. And he's the guy you have to account for. Nicholas McMullen is an excellent front court teammate for Drew Pember, strong, physical, gets rebounds, a great defender. Uh, they have what it takes to upset someone in the NCAA tournament, and I'll be watching out for that matchup. Keon Brown joining us on the program here on this Wednesday, our basketball correspondent as March Madness is underway. College basketball bids are being given out left and right. Lots of tournament victories. And, you know, it always comes back to me, KB, how the mid-majors dominate this time of year, right? Yeah. This is what it's all about, yeah. watching these other schools and these other leagues. Yeah, Power 5 tournaments are okay to watch. But like right now, for instance, I wasn't into any of the ACC games um, yesterday as I was some of these other mid-major games where teams are fighting for their yeah. lives. And like you said, I mean, it's it's like an NBA game seven. It, it's it's supposed to feel that way, isn't it? And now you have people who continue to say that the mid-majors should be separated from the power fives in the future NCAA tournament outlook. And I hope that never, ever sees the light of day. Yeah, that's ridiculous if it does. We have the blueprint in the strategy for what we need right where we want it. It's everything you need. We talk about uh, like you said, the high major tournaments versus some of these quote unquote mid major tournaments. And the mid major tournaments are much more entertaining. And that's because those guys have something to play for. When you're in the high major tournaments, a lot of these teams can lose and know they'll still be selected on Sunday. Versus, versus the mid major conference tournaments, you have teams that you lose this game, you're done. In the CAA, there are no, you know, you have to win the tournament to get a bid. There's no at-large bids. The Big South, how entertaining was that Big South tournament overall on both sides of the bracket, men's and women's? Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody saw Campbell sneaking up like that doing what they did. Uh, obviously, the Gardner-Webb USC Upstate finish, unbelievable tournaments. Uh, the A-Sun Championship, I watched that on Sunday, Liberty versus Kennesaw State, and what a job Coach Abdul Rahim did there 
at Kennesaw State, completely turning that program around. The Southern Conference was unbelievable. Obviously, I got Mike Jones got upset on Saturday night against Wofford, and Furman ended up winning the championship. Obviously, the CAA we talk about was very competitive. You still have the Patriot League, the Southland, American East, uh, the MEAC, the SWAC, so many of these mid-major conferences that if you aren't tuned in, you should go watch because all of these games, especially when on the neutral court, these teams uh, balance out a bit, and that's why you have such competitive games. And it's, it's unbelievable. It truly is. I still love my high-major tournaments. I can't get enough of it. We'll be watching the Big 12, Big 10, obviously continue watching the ACC. But as far as this time of the year, it gets no better than these mid-major tournaments because you'll see teams scratching and clawing, trying to get their way to the title game to give themselves a chance for their name to be called on Sunday and go dancing next week. Well, as great as all this is, then we have the story of Merrimack in the Northeast Conference tournament. They, yes. they win the tournament championship. They're still in there. Yeah, I, I just – this whole NCAA rule, you have to wait. The transitioning from coming up from D2 to Division One. It's now like a four-year thing or something. I don't know. I don't understand why you can't just, if you're ready for Division One, why you can't automatically qualify. And if you are going to keep them from competing and, le- and from winning and, and going to the ta- uh, championship, going to the tournament, why even let them play in your conference championship tournament? Because now Merrimack has won that league, and Fairleigh Dickinson is going to get the automatic berth to the NCAA. It makes no sense to me. I don't understand it, and this is the second year in a row that this has happened. Right. Bellamine of the Atlantic Sun was in the same situation a year ago. They ended up winning the tournament, obviously surprising everybody because it was their first year um, in you know the Atlantic Sun Division One, and then Jacksonville State ended up playing in the tournament. I don't understand the logic to thinking behind that. If you are a Division One program, you should be eligible to automatically play, especially if you earn the right. I would love to talk to some of those, you know, student athletes to see what their mind, like how they feel about that, knowing that they won the tournament, but at all, you know, and likely their their season is over. So it makes no sense for the second year in a row this has happened. It seems like it's going to be coming. It's going to become more and more. We're going to see this more and more. And I would just love for the NCAA tournament committee, the NCAA, and the, as a whole to reconsider this rule because it's one of the most ridiculous things that we have in our sport. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Well, I hope that we continue to get great games and great results, and we'll see how Tech does. And once we get into the rest of the field with the UVAs and the Miamis and Dukes, we'll see how the ACC plays out. But uh, So how many games are you watching tonight? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to watch as many as I possibly can. If I have to get my fiance's phone out, bring that in here, have my phone obviously, the four TVs, uh, the computer, so we're, we're going to be it's going to be it's going to be a night. And she is actually Rick Watson's nobody's surprised <laughs> getting tired of it. Everywhere she turns in the house, there's a basketball game on and she is like, you can just see it in her face how drained she is. Like, oh my goodness. This guy watches more college basketball than Dick Vitale. Yeah. <laughs> I, really, I can't get enough of it. It is the worst. It is the best time of the year, but also the worst because you know it's slowly but surely coming to an end. But I can't get enough of it. I can't. I'm addicted. Well, I understand. Well, that's why you're so good at what you do. That's why. That's why. All right, my friend. Listen, uh, keep us updated on what's going on, too, with the uh, the – 
pending birth of your child and uh, enjoy the rest of the games. Thank you, sir. We need her name's Violet Brown. We need her to stay cooking until we'll say after the Final Four weekend. Come out on that Tuesday after the national championship. <laughs> <laughs> well, you also be part of our bracket challenge we're going to create on BDST. So we got to get we're going to get that oh, up yeah, and running absolutely. too. So we'll see how we do there too. All absolutely. right, my friend, stay safe. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> All right, brother. All right, there you go. That's Keon Brown, our basketball correspondent. And you think he's kidding. No, he really wants to. Now he wants the child just to be a little patient and wait a little bit till the day after the uh, national championship game so he doesn't have to make a tough decision. Right? How many TVs can you have in the birthing room? We might see a new precedent set by uh, Keon. If this... If his, uh, if his daughter comes, let's say, on Final Four uh, Saturday, oh, my goodness gracious... All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up Hour 1. Remind you what's ahead. Stay with us. You're not off the leash yet. We're happy to have you with us and hope you'll come back often. Big Dog Sports Talk will be right back. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on WRAD. Joe Perry guitar right there, right? I mean, I mean, I like Dream On. Some of the earlier stuff I like. Train kept a rolling, good, good song. Toys in the attic. But let's not ever forget that there are really two different Aerosmiths. There's the Aerosmith of the '70s into the '80s, and then there was the. <clears throat> You know, love in an elevator. Love theme from Armageddon. You're my angel, Aerosmith, as well. When they wanted to try to remain chart relevant and pretty much put away any of their rock and roll. <clears throat> tendencies but hey that's that's okay it's okay much like if you decide to drink coffee <laughs> that's your choice if that's the Aerosmith you like to listen to um whew. <laughs> Wayne from Ohio is the hero of the day not only did I get a care package it was in the studio this morning of uh, more bacon jerky. I have no idea where he finds it. I can't find it anywhere. 
And he also got a, uh, a T-shirt for me. The Bigfoot stole my bacon. I got to find a good place for that in here somewhere. There's not a lot of room in here, but I got to figure it out. <laughs> so thanks to Wayne. Very nice of you. Good stuff all the way around. And yes, yes, I did have a bag of the bacon jerky as my breakfast picked me up this morning. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Hour two, more of your phone calls at 639-4900. Text messages 744-2990. Bill Roth and Rick Cormany in the 8 o'clock power hour on a Wednesday. Stay with us. David Teal and Dwight Vick tomorrow. And maybe another surprise. We'll be back. We'll be back.